the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Rory Mitchell. He's the host of the Mitchell Report Unleashed podcast, bringing you a direct, diverse podcast that relates around sport, fitness, culture, and relationships, keeping it direct to the general listeners and engaging the community. All the topics on the show are skillfully crafted and thought out for the listeners to dive into. So welcome on to the show, Rory. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, James. What's going on, my friend? I'm very well. Thank you. And yourself? Oh, you know, I'm good. It's, you know, Canada over here, it's rainy. It's not as cold as it's supposed to be. There's no snow on the ground, but, you know. So it's virtually the same as the, well, it's not, it's not, as we're recording, it's not raining. It's hysterical UK. (laughs) I hear you, my friend. Yeah, but we're still on the same latitude. So in theory, we should have the same climate, but we don't. We don't. No, we don't. It's, it's, it's pretty warm outside, but, you know, there's no snow. It's January. Just supposed to be like snow banks and you know slush and ice and you know treacherous weather. <laughs> but is that a good or bad thing based on based on what you're telling me? Then depending who you're talking to, some people love the snow. I don't mind snow. I just don't like when it's a freaking blizzard outside. But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but haven't you historically got tunnels underground though? You, this guy, really? We're gonna go there? <laughs> You could say that. Or is that a myth? Uh, You might have to fact check that. (laughs) Or is that Canadians trying to pull, not wool over people's eyes, but pulling their leg? Um, Okay, there's no underground tunnels, man. Like, you have subway systems, if that's what people want to call a tunnel. But, you know, the underground railroad did did kind of, you know, was a part of Canada. But I think that's another topic for another day, you know. And all that good stuff. Well, it's one of those things. But yeah. obviously, before we go off on a tangent or a massive one at, at that, mm-hmm. what, beyond my inter- initial introduction, and obviously I can say to people, if you hear this at a later date, the, the beginning will be edited because I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of obviously adding additional or additional nugget for people to get some some substance from it, what would you like to add to my for my listeners? that they don't know about you um i speak pure i speak pure just from the heart you know i care a lot about people i know a lot of people some people in my inner circle say that sometimes you shouldn't be caring all the time about people if you get what i mean don't wear your heart on a sleeve but i'm all about like you james is where i come from a perspective and i come from a certain demographic is about coaching and helping people you know better their mind better their health uh it's just, and it's have those uh, organic conversations that create vulnerability, you know, in our lives that a lot of people don't really want to do. Some people want to be reserved. Some people don't want to share information. I always said is as, as, as listeners, as engagers, as coaches, as people that really care for people's well-being, I'm like this. I do this on my platform a lot of times. I get very vulnerable. I know we talked before we, we did a recording, but it's better to do that because it helps and it shows growth. You know what I mean? And that's something I encourage for a lot of people. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, you know, it's always engaging in yourself, seeking inward and, you know, find those times to be the most vulnerable. But don't you agree though, Rory, that most, more people on, especially probably male, and probably same for, for your entourage, there should be more um, wearing the heart on the sleeve. And what I mean by this, obviously speaking the truth and, mm-hmm. and telling people what they actually mean, as mm-hmm. opposed to sugarcoating certain things. I've never been one to sugarcoat, you know what I mean? Um, my grandfather, right, he's, he's not here with us anymore. He's a, he was a police officer in, in, in Jamaica, uh, district constable. And I remember hearing a lot of past conversations from a lot of people that were like, hey, listen, you know, your grandfather, Sylvester Lawrence, 
was a man that always encouraged, you know, people to always want to do the right thing. Um, doesn't matter if you're male or female. Wearing the heart on the sleeve, it can be it can be a perception differently because some people wear their heart on their sleeve when it comes to relationships or, or friendships. And you may have somebody that's in either your relationship or in your friendship that doesn't really see who it is that you are and they take you for granted. I think that's another topic for another day. But when we look at, I feel like as us, what we do as coaches or people that were, were big pillars for other people, we wear a heart on our sleeve from a different perspective, which is shown with empathy. You get what I mean? Well, I think it's a good one because in terms of obviously being taken for granted or taken for a ride in a different terminology, uh, mm-hmm. which is two different things altogether. But I think, uh, I think that's where people probably from the latter point being taken for a ride, people are less willing to become vulnerable because people are going to be taking advantage of them, be it incidentally mm-hmm. or through min- maliciousness, be it, well, if I can, see this person to be weaker than me i can take advantage of from the, obviously be, with this being a more towards gearing towards athletes mm-hmm. we're very prone and probably very built towards it because if you can see smell any weakness within any individual mm-hmm. i think it's built hardwired into us to take advantage obviously you step yeah. outside off 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 the pitch well, of the white lines, that's where I'll, it needs to be, yeah. to be careful. I'll say something like this. I think that people that look to go take advantage of other people in regarding like mindset is because they have a hidden agenda. You know what I mean? And there's some people that I know around me that do that. They take advantage from the mental aspect because they know that some people, and, and this, I'm not wrong for saying this, there's some people that, that are not all there as far as their confidence, their self-esteem. I've always said self-esteem is self, it's self-reflected. So if you're speaking to somebody about, you know, your personalized personalized, um, problems, say for instance, uh, could be regarding family, could be regarding school. There's some people that will listen to that, latch on, and they use manipulation tactics to get whatever it is that they want to get from you. You know what I mean? It could be, it could be some sort of comfort to let you guard down so they can maybe go in and disrupt your life. I've seen this happen. You know what I mean? And, and some, some males, some females do that. I don't agree. You know what I mean? Like for you to be able to manipulate something or manipulate somebody to get something from them, that's not, you know, serving a a greater purpose or the greater good. I always look at that and I'm saying is, what, why would you, what would possess you to want to do that? You know what I mean? And you, you can look at that from all different avenues in life. You know what I mean? Not only with goals coaching or a health and fitness aspect, but look at the outside world and things like that. You know what I mean? I think the only, the only positive of it, of it for that worry would be, be based on sport because you're trying to gain an advantage and that's about mm-hmm. it. But you're not mm-hmm. trying to, like you put it, be destructive in terms of, trying to wreck that person's life okay ultimately during the game mm-hmm. that's probably <laughs> that's 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 your ultimate get goal is to be as disrupt disruptive as possible be mm-hmm. it if you pick up and on any nuances of i'll call it a weakness mm-hmm. you latch upon it and then you utilize it be it, i don't know the australians will coin the word sledging mm-hmm. you can get under somebody's skin mm-hmm. and you see them obviously bite same with basketball in the u.s be mm-hmm. it it's probably less common nowadays but mm-hmm. you go back 10 20 years ago it's, it was it's probably very evident evident obviously the only thing you probably see with that would probably either spike lee mm-hmm. or drake on the sidelines in modern <laughs> modern terms now yes, even yes. given all that uh mm-hmm. to the opposing teams but i think and that obviously it's, it's occurred with me in sport Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. If you're trying mm-hmm. to get on this, it's like, yeah, what I, you, well, can, you can, you can do it. It doesn't. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this much. I think when you look at sports is one thing I'll take it to the one le- the next level. Um, look at combat fighting, look at boxing, look at UFC. You look at these guys before they go through their camps. If it's a 16 week fight camp and things like that, they do the presser, they do the back and forth. They do the video monologues. They do all this stuff to create hype for the fight to sell the pay-per-view 
when it gets to the weigh-ins or it gets to the before the fight leads up, and they're on, and say for instance they're at the weigh-ins, you always see them do the face to face. And what it does, it's like the battle of the of the mental now. How am I going to make this man crack? I look at him. Mike Tyson used to do this a lot. You look at him some of his some of his past fights. Anytime before they say fight, he's always looking at the man, and his eyes are just following the dude back and forth, back and forth. But now when you see it in fighting, these guys get into each other's face. Some guys will try to throw a kick. They'll try to put their fist, they'll try to put the fist in the face, not, not deliberately, but what they're trying to do is find their range and they're trying to use a, that mental component of I'm trying to psych you out. You get what I mean? I'm going to psych you out in such a way where I know that if I can find my range, come fight night, oh, this is going to be easy. This is going to be a blast. You know what I mean? And things like that. So. I like to take it maybe that one step when it comes to like combat fighting. You know, you got basketball, you got football. You're always going to want to outskill your opponent. You're always going to want to outrun your opponent. Football, you know, we're talking about NFL um, in, in American football, CFL, Canadian football. You know, it's between the position. You have skill positions at the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver. On the defensive side, you're going to have your defensive ends, your defensive tackles, your linebackers, your cornerbacks, your free safety. All those guys have to match up. But the thing is, if you know that you're the best at that skill position, oh, you got a psychological advantage. Because in football, if I throw the ball in the middle of the field and you can run a 4-4-40, who's catching me? <laughs> like, your, your linebacker can't catch me because he's going to have to be able to run a 4-4 or less. The only person that should be able to catch you is either the cornerback or the free safety. And even that's going to be a challenge also, too. You know what I mean? But do you think on another point, though, Rory, in terms of combat sports, do you think some of that hype is, is um, oh, what's the word I'm going to use, manipulated and orchestrated sometimes to be able to sell that product as yeah, opposed so, to being what you were talking about? Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, there was a last fight that I watched. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Colby Covington. And it's kind of, I'm not going to go into too much of a tirade. But he's a mouthpiece. He can sell the fight. James, he's not like that in real life. He puts on this persona. He, he puts on the Donald Trump MAGA hat. He's all about Trump. He's got his books out there. He's, you know, doing all these things. But he's not like that. And he learned that from the past, just being in, having a, a brief stint in wrestling. So I did some, I did some like, a, a breakdown on him. And I've made some tidbits on notes. And I'm like... You just do that because of your persona. Like, you look at somebody like Conor McGregor, persona. You get what I mean? Somebody like Anderson Silva or George St. Pierre. Those guys are very um, reserved. They know what it is they do. They always say the quietest ones are the most dangerous, especially when it comes to the art. And somebody like myself, I've done martial arts. I've done, I went from Taekwondo to karate. So when I used to spar and things like that, you could mentally break down when you're in tournaments, guys, because you have to be able to study like what you have is those windows of opportunities, what these guys' cadence are, or how they're gonna are they gonna be in southpaw? Are they gonna be on an orthodox? Are they gonna lead a front kick, two punch combo, and things like that to score points? So you have to be able to know that you have that mental component to really be able to orchestrate and be like, hey, I gotta know in this timetable how I'm gonna be able to keep my range. I'm a tall dude. I'm 6'3", 6'4". So when I was growing up and I think back at sparring, I would have been maybe maybe 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and I know that I'm a rangy individual. So the only way you're going to be able to disrupt me is what? You got to come in close. But in sparring, we're now going for points. So I already have the reach to your head, to your chest. That's how we score majority of our points. So I know I have the advantage. So if I'm backing up, I still can score points. If I move forward, I'm going to score points. I just can't let you come in between me like this. You come close and I'm, I'm, it's over for me. There's nothing I can do. And I lost in, in tournaments from guys just got in close. Or I remember one that's funny. Oh, my God. We're talking about the youth. This guy was basically Chung Lee from Street Fighter. And he stood there and he kept firing out the kick. And I, I, I didn't know how to break it. I didn't know how to break it. Like, we played the video games and we're like, okay, well, I can block and maybe throw a Hadogan like Ryu or Ken. But I'm like, I can't do this. And I, I literally gave up. I literally gave up when I was young. Now, if I look at it, I would have I been able to attack it from a different perspective. You know what I mean? Throw maybe a leg kick, you know? 
because then it catches him off guard and it's going to, you know, offset him. Bam, there's his head. I can score a point. You know, there's his chest. Bam, I can score a point, you know. But when you're at a young age, you don't really know what's going on. <laughs> but do you think that comes down to reflective practice in terms of being a- a- able to anal- anal- ah, analyze yes. at, that persp- at that specific moment in time? And obviously, you, that's an acquired skill. As you get older, you get better at doing it. Um, whereas I think whereas the, you, that's where you can take advantage of a younger athlete, be it if it's very mixed uh, age mm-hmm. groups. Because the cognitive ability is not just, it's not there yet. It, well, it wasn't there yet because I, I, like I told you, I froze. I didn't know what to do against this guy. Like this guy's like Chung Lee, basically. Like, how do you do this? Oh, wait, now I'm older. Lead, kick his opposite leg. The leg that he's standing on. If I kick that leg, he has to drop. He's, that kick is not flying anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, as a kid, you're like, how do you get around this? And you got your, you got your team, you got your parents, you got family. Like, Rory, get him, get him, get him. And I'm like, Ah, it's not happening. <laughs> I got to take the L on this one. You know what I mean? But is it because it wasn't descriptive enough in terms of, well, get him, get him doesn't actually, that's not telling me what to it's do. It's not. It's not. Dude, I will tell you this right now. You know, it's like, you can say from martial arts, but you, you, you watch sports. And there's three different ways to watch sports. I've been on the sideline coaching, you know, again, football. I've watched it from that part, from that part of perspective watching it in the stands and watching it on TV. I'll tell people this, all three elements of that, when you're there, you see the game from a different perspective. When you're at a live game, especially when it comes to American football or Canadian football, and I'm talking about not not the soccer ball, I'm talking about the pigskin, you see a lot different things. There's things that develop in front of you that you don't necessarily catch on TV that you won't necessarily see on a sideline. So there's so many different elements of the game, like basketball. Like being at a live game in basketball is completely different than watching it in the pros on TV because there's so many things that you hear and you see. And, you know, the, the, the cam, you got to remember, the camera can only do so much. But when you're there and you can actually be live and you can witness it and you're like, oh, geez, that just happened? Like it's – there's a lot of things that happen, man, that TV doesn't catch. And I, I'm well, very well respective of it. I think it's generally after the fact, be it I was watching highlights of obviously of European football. Yeah. And obviously, like you were saying, the camera's going to follow the, the action mm-hmm. and follow the ball specifically. And I think the only time the camera panned back for it is something happened after the fact, so like a tackle uh, after the ball had gone. And all you yeah. see, you only hear, you hear the reaction of the crowd. Yeah, thinking okay, and then obviously the referee goes over and sends the person off. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. that person is probably kicked out. As you kicked out or a penalty or something. What did they do? <laughs> well, you didn't see it. You didn't see it, so you only have to assume. Well, he's done something untowards mm-hmm. that's warranted a red card. So yes, yes, he's obviously taken um, uh, to, to a certain extent. It's not like the challenge that he's received mm-hmm. after the fact, and he's and he's well reacted in terms mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the red misses have descended and <laughs> he's reacted. I know, right? probably you see it all the time, like especially with American football, and we're in and we're in the heart of the playoffs. You know what I mean, and things like that. Like there's so many times where the ball's getting thrown down the field, and if you understand the game enough, you can kind of see when they throw the flag what it is. You can already tell. Is it a holding play? Was there a pass interference play? Was it roughing the passer play? So you can kind of determine. Sometimes you see things like, oh, wait, there's a face mask. Oh, we didn't even see that on camera. So that's why they have instant replay. <laughs> you know, instant replay is always a good thing. It's not always not a bad thing, but it's a good thing, you know, because there's things that we miss, you know, and all that good stuff. Well, it's a different, well, it's, it's I think as a, I, I think, it's being poo-pooed more in in the UK at the moment with obviously soccer because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's only its first instance of being implemented, so they're knocking it. Oh, this is going wrong. This that's mm-hmm. going wrong. Whereas I think you you think of the term be the NFL, uh, rugby union, mm-hmm. rugby league. Mm-hmm. They've had instant replay for gosh five. 10 maybe 10 years at a push mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's had it's probably teething problems exactly. uh, and going through it but i think where uh, the commentators 
of our soccer are commendable of the NFL is they'll have a person in the booth mm-hmm. or they'll go to, you know, that the one who used to be a referee and say, mm-hmm. well, why mm-hmm. did they make that call? Exactly. And they explain it. Well, this is why they're going to make this decision mm-hmm. based on A, B, C, D, X, exactly. Y, Z. Exactly. exactly. Whereas I think maybe with European sport, it'll be, well, why is this in one instance, they've made this decision in one game, mm-hmm. same things occurred and they made a different one. So I think based on, on that alone, I think people will get a hump because it's like, well, that ruling went one way and this has gone another. So it obviously implement effects on me, but I think exactly. it's ultimately is a game and mm-hmm. you're not playing in it. It's not a livelihood. Whereas I had a referee say to me, do you make mistakes in games? And you can't, I think, I think we, I think all athletes do. So you can't really, you can't then now pass point the finger at a referee. Because if you look upon yourself in that reflective state, yeah, he's only a human being. He's going to make mistakes. He's not going to see everything. They, I, you know, it's funny you say that, and I, I'll piggyback off that conversation. I think all athletes do it, and they do it from the mental standpoint. They can do it from the mental standpoint because if, okay, I'll, I'll take you back to Christmas Day. Christmas Day, Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, LA Clippers. Pat Beverly's defending LeBron James. LeBron James is 6'8, 260, 270. I've always questioned about LeBron's mental, right? LeBron has a guy that's maybe Pat Beverly's maybe 190, maybe 210, if that. When I look at somebody that's 6'8 and 260, 270, versus somebody that I just mentioned in Patrick Beverly, you should be able to drive to the lane and create the foul. You let little Pat Beverly use his mental at that time and surpass what it is that you are to be the best player in the league. And I understand that we can sometimes be at fault with that, but LeBron's got to be at that time at the highlight of his career, being the man, being the chosen one, to be able to say, I'm going to oppose my will against Patrick Beverly, you didn't. And that's the reason why there was that steal. There was a de- the steal, the deflect, and it went out and it was all, out on LeBron. At that time, LeBron made a mistake. If that was the case and LeBron, LeBron, and I always say that, I always, I always question this about LeBron. I'd love to sit down and ask LeBron this question. What goes through your mind when you're the be- knowing that you're the best athlete that you have to defer that wall? Oppose your will. You, like, I know I can't defend LeBron James. But I know that if Pat Beverly's in front of me, and I get he's a defensive prowess, he's a dis- defensive pit bull, I'm going to be able to drive past him because I know I'm physically stronger than he is. This is where, this is where strength is a skill set. You know what I mean? And you oppose your will. You, get the, you can draw the foul. You don't have this guy, this little guy that's basically just tap the ball, and then you go like this, and then the ball's out behind you, and then it's out on you you know what I mean so that's something I've always questioned and it goes back to athletes I think we can always get into our head there's sometimes where as an athlete or whatever it is you're doing you got to be able to tap into that killer instinct that clutch gene everybody's got it it's like having a second win you get what I mean and when you have that second win and you or and you and you can know that hey like listen I'm in the deep uh quarters if it's the first half second half of of of, of soccer or it's in the fourth quarter of basketball. You look at somebody like Kobe Bryant. Why do you think Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan used to oppose their will on the opposing team? Because they know, hey, it's the last two minutes of the game. Tom Brady, same, same person, you could say this, last two minutes of the game. You give me that ball, I'm going to oppose my will on the other team. It takes a, that, that takes you to another level. It's now, if you're, you know, there's some times where you're going to have some hiccups along the field or along the, the playing pitch or on the court. You know what? That's where your coach got to identify and be like, hey, listen, let's call a 20-second timeout. Hey, Kobe, Jordan, Brady, you okay? Braun, you okay? You okay? Are you, are you okay? Are you ready? Are you comfortable with what's about to happen here? You know what I mean? Oppose your will, you know? And even us, like, I know we're not, like, high prolific athletes. There could be stuff that's going on in your mental. That could be with family, could be school, could be your job. And you're not going to maybe perform the best. It's natural life. It happens. I work. There's sometimes we get bogged down with things in our, in our lives, but you know, and some people look at you and people will be like, see you at work and be like, are you okay, Rory? Or you feel okay today? Is something going on? 
you share that information. We're not all, we're all not perfect. We all have to go through things. But this is what it goes back to reflecting of the mind and saying, we have to seek inward and be able to be vulnerable and speak about certain things. You know, some things we can kind of like not really want to speak about because some people are just, you know, they like to keep that reserved to themselves. But, you know, if you're having a bad day and something's going on, I've always been the very first believer. Speak about it. Never bottle it in because all it does is going to create more problems at the end of the day. But do you think that with, with Kobe Bryant and, and Michael Jordan, they're unique beings in themselves in terms of you could say both of obviously overcome adversity of, of being where they've come from. Jordan not met, being cut from his high school basketball team yeah. and then Kobe Bryant living overseas and obviously being on, back, on the back burner based on his, his family being in the military. Do you think some of that has obviously given them that killer instinct to to want to go to the next level of yes i'm going to do everything and everything obviously some people will not want to go to those extremes of be it you know waking up i think kobe Bryant was something ridiculous like three four in the morning to practice Mm -hmm. i think okay that's probably an extreme and Mm -hmm. this is probably where i say to to people is you you know the 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 morning ritual of getting up at 5 a.m Mm-hmm. it's not going to work for everybody it, it's not but based on uh what works for i'm not even saying the mass the masses it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to be for you i, I think people say to me well uh, what time do you get up i think depending on what the schedule my schedule is and I, and, I work, <laughs> and I work around I work around that i did once upon a time uh about gosh what would it be probably this time last year tried mm. to implement something similar be it mm. based on you know going uh working backwards from what time do i need to be up and, and out the house mm-hmm. and mm. give myself an hour uh beforehand that i can do what i want to do before going out to work and this is when i was working with, with education which is not the case anymore but so people were saying to me aren't you crazy getting up but i don't know i think it was like six o'clock in the morning and then that's that's not a job this fear between six and seven o'clock i don't think one day we weren't working because of the weather that's not a chore to me that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i want to do that hour an hour and a half maybe on, on that particular day because it was me prioritizing something that i wanted to do in this case was working towards what i do now within, exactly. within work and business exactly. i want to do that that's going to help me grow and mm-hmm. to implement the the fundamentals uh and basically the the brick, brick and mortar of mm-hmm. my business that's not mm-hmm. difficult whereas going to work is a different story yeah so i'll i want to go back to when you talk about the three o'clock in the morning the five o'clock in the morning because a mentor of mine eric thomas um i don't know him personally but somebody that i followed a lot of his craft when i was growing up um, and, and finding the way and just listening to a lot of his audio and, and, and things like that, you know, he mentioned some of the most successful people wake up at three o'clock in the morning. He always heard them talk about the three o'clock in the morning news. And now you have the, the, the span and I'm going to take it this level. You have the, the span between three o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to speak about the three o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, not too many people are going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and get a good start, a good start on their day. What happened with him is being a high school dropout, being now a world renowned famous speaker. He had that time from three o'clock in the morning to basically write his, to do the thing, sorry, say to do the things that he needed to do to get his PhD. So you think about that from three o'clock to the normal people getting up at anywhere between maybe six, six thirty, seven, seven thirty. You know what I mean? Eight, eight thirty. You have a good jump on the world. There's a lot you can do. So think about that. Three o'clock in the morning, you got a good five hours before the whole world even wakes up. You know what I mean? Now take it to the five o'clock. Five o'clock in the morning is the same thing as three. The only thing is, is there's two hours deducted off. So if you get up at five o'clock in the morning, you know how many people get up. They shower or they don't shower. And a friend of mine, I'll give him, I'll give him a shout out on this. He said to me, we were at his birthday dinner the other day. He goes, he goes, Rory, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I shower and I go to the gym for 530. I go, congratulations. I said, you're getting a good jump on the world. 
That's not something that I can do. I've tried doing that. I'm not really the biggest morning person, but one thing about me, if I need to be up at 5.30 or 6, damn well believe, James, I'm going to get up at 5.30 or 6. You know what I mean? It's survival of the fittest. But I've thought about playing with the idea. I've thought about playing with the idea. I'm like, what would happen if I was to go to bed a little bit earlier, say 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I can get up for 5, 5.30? How would that look different in my life? And what could I get done? Could that be an audio book that I could, I, I could listen to for about an hour? Could that be podcast planning? Could that be, you know, building a website for whatever I need to build a website for? Could it be, you know, setting along my days and scheduling guest interviews and putting more work into inner work into myself? Yes. But I figured out that there's 24 hours in a day now. How you use those 24 hours is going to, is going to, is going to show us how much you want to be successful. Because success is not only about money. Success can also be about what it is you're trying to get to yourself. You have a successful podcast. You have a successful business. You know what I mean? We can all build what we want to build in 24 hours. Sometimes, bro, I've said the most creative people in this world, we have to go without sleep sometimes. There's sometimes I don't sleep. Sometimes I go to bed at like three o'clock in the morning. I'm up by 7.30 and I just back at it again, being at work, figuring out how I'm going to schedule my day. It's all about what it is you want to do and what works for you. Not everybody's going to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Same thing is not everybody's going to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Not everybody knows how to maximize their 24 hours in a day. We have to eliminate the excuses and create adjustments. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, that's the definition of it in terms of maximizing your time. I'm not going to mm-hmm. name this person, but they were pointing fingers based on why they weren't able to, uh, and I'll put it into context so it gives people an idea. I asked the question, what's standing in your way from you achieving your goals in 2020? And he was pointing fingers, my wife's doing this, my son's doing that, my other son is doing Excuses. this. It's like, uh, he did ultimately put it down, I've only, I've got this 45 minutes to myself in a 24-hour period. I think that's enough. And I had one of my colleagues say to me, your rebuttal to him would be, well, don't you want to maximize that 45 minutes? I, I, I would like to have more than 45 minutes to myself in, a, in mm-hmm. any given day. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would probably question that. Well, why do you only give yourself 45 minutes in that particular day? And that's probably something I'll, I'll ask him at a later date based on what that answer is to that initial mm-hmm. question. Because for me, mm-hmm. it does come down to ultimately, I think people struggle to say no to a lot of things yeah. based on yeah. whatever it may be. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy to say no. It's yeah, easy to say no. Yeah, but people struggle. They, they're, they're more pleased and they want to appease people. Whereas for me, no, here you go. It's no, here's a schedule. And and mm-hmm. that's not me directly saying mm-hmm. there were two letters, uh, no, but that's my way of probably kind of putting the, the barriers up in terms of no, 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 you're not going to speak to me right at this particular moment mm-hmm. uh, because it's not, I'm not saying it's not convenient, but it's not, that's what a whole point of a schedule is. It's, but we're coming back to be it yeah. the well, academic or the athlete. It's mm-hmm. built around schedule. Well, I'll say this to you, James, I'll give people some tips. Now I'll kind of show, tell people what works for me in a day-to-day life. So not only being a trainer at a gym, working my job, my nine to five and having a podcast, I don't have time to read. I'd like to read, but you know what I do? I maximize my technology. I maximize what I have in front of me. I have an iPhone, right? We have these $1,500 devices. We have headphones. Why can I not be able to, on my travel, if I'm driving or I'm taking the transit or I'm taking the subway or I'm taking whatever, I have a long trip. There's a thing called audiobooks. Audiobooks work. And that's what I've got back into. So I'll tell you this. When I was when I was going through my transition period and growing up, that's what I did. I cut music out. I love music. I love hip-hop music, R&B music. I was in the gym. Always want to work out. So I, I got fit. And I said to myself is, I don't want to listen to music. I want to listen to positive mindset affirmation, abundance mindset type of things, right? And I, that's again, where my mentor is. 
I took all the videos off of YouTube. And I know, you know, I could get censorship for this and whatever, but it is what it is. And I put them in my phone and I listened to what he was saying. Now, when I work out now, I may not be able to do that. But if I need to shut my brain off, I could do that. If it means, hey, listen, I want to listen to an audiobook or I want to listen to a podcast, that's kind of what I do now. Even if I'm in my house on my day off, the AirPods, <laughs> I just put one of them in my ears and I walk around. I can do all my housework. I can do what it is I need to do. If I do a little bit of video gaming, I can just listen to what's going on because I have that mindset that says is no excuses, adjustments only. You get what I mean? That's how you do it. So you can listen to an audio book within three to four days if you actually maximize your time. So you look at your travel time. If you got to travel for work for 30 to 45 minutes, bam, that's content right there that you can lock into your ears. Now you come home, you go to bed. They say, don't look at the screen before you go to bed because it will disrupt your sleep. Okay, whatever. I have no issue doing that. I put my headphone in my ear. Why can't I not listen to 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the, of the, of the, of the audiobook? You, you can do things if you want to, but so many people are so easy to say no. But here's one thing I'll sprinkle to you, James. Always look at this. We always want, and I shouldn't say all of us, some of us want to be fake busy. But when it comes to things that we need to get done, it's so crazy how we can say we're busy. And if there's a birthday party or there's a celebration with our, our friends or our girlfriends, we can make the time to do it. You get what I mean? And push everything off to the side. So if it's important enough to you, you're going to want to do that. That's why I don't believe in the thing called procrastination. People say, oh, I'm a procrastinator. No, it's just not important to you at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it does help to make people feel bad because you make if you say you're sitting on the fence. But be, be it from the other p- perspective of that, most people that don't see that as a priority are probably perfectionists as well. Mm-hmm. They want it. They want it to be all singing, all dancing before they put out the will. And, and I've had clients like that as well. It's like it doesn't exist. There's never going to be a perfect time. I've been there and done it. Okay, not not necessarily mm-hmm. from a fitness perspective, but I've done that with content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mine was even worse because I I left something on my computer for two years before it even yeah. got published. So so in terms <laughs> of the extremes. Mm-hmm. It's probably worse than that, but that's yeah. pretty bad. Well, I'll even say this as a trainer. Now, I've slapped on the gym. It happens. I get where people say they don't have time to go to the gym. They work nine hours, eight, nine hours for the day, so you work nine to five. The last thing on your mind is you want to go to the gym. But here's where you can maximize your true full potential. How do you, how you do that? That's what you do. You look at nine to five. So if I work nine to five or I work 11 to six or whatever my time is, you have a before entry and you have an ending entry. If you know that you're going to be too tired to do it after, after, um, after work, you have a full, all those other hours. So if I work nine to five, I'm just going to say, hypothetically speaking, I could say, let me get up for this day. I look at my whole entire schedule. This is where I can get up at, say, six. 6.30, okay, you know what? If I work at nine, maybe I can get to the gym for seven. I work out for an hour, come home, shower, speed back to work. That's maximizing full potential and opportunity. Now, if you feel like, okay, you know what? I just want to go home. I just want to go make dinner. I just want to have dinner. I want to chill out. I had a stressful day at work. Hey, you know how many people bring their gym clothes with them and they leave them in the car in a separate bag or they bring them to work with themselves? Always be prepared. You know what I mean? Always be prepared. As long as you want to maximize it, you can get it done no matter what. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, when people say, oh, I can't do that. And I've, I've taught class with people, like, I can't do this. I go, Mm-mm. you can. You can do it. You should be saying, I can, not I can't. Can't is a, is a limitation you're crafting on yourself. Can means it's possible. You can do it. If you can't do a burpee, well, guess what? There's other alternates to doing a burpee. If you can't do a jump squat, there's other options and other alternative methods to do a jump squat. If you can't do a push-up, there's many different ways to do a push-up. But you can't say you cannot do something till you try. And that's what I wish a lot of people would rather do is start trying instead of saying, oh, well, 
guess what? I don't know if I really want to do this program. I don't know if I really want to do this when it comes to school or it comes to my life. What? You got to take some calculated, well thought out, orchestrated risks. And that's how you be able to find out a lot about yourself. You know what I mean? And when I say risk, take a risk when it comes to school. But, you know, don't sit back and say, oh, I'm going to take a risk on, you know, maybe flying halfway across the world to go find myself. That like, doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Information. Remember, I, I always say this to people. Information always changes our, our situations. And in our life, we have to have the people that are around that are going to help elevate. And if you ain't got people that are going to elevate, you got to start looking around. and You got to start reevaluating that inner circle. Because the people in your inner circle are going to help you be able to, to shift your mindset, give you that encouraging feedback, um, articulate a, something within yourself that you're going to make you want to elevate. You know what I mean? Because when I look at, my, when I look at my, my, my inner circle, per se, and you know, some people can look at me and say, I'm the strong pillar for my inner circle. Yeah, that may be, that may be one thing. But there's some things that I may deal with that I got to ask somebody else about. And get their feedback, get their, their, their type of situation. But one thing I'll never do, James, is make an excuse. I don't got time to make excuses. Because I look at that 24-hour clock and I say, listen, this is what I got to do to get my job done. You know what I mean? It's like this. We're, do, we're sitting here, we're doing a pod. I know I got to go to, I got to run to the mall real quick before I go to teach a couple clients and stuff like that. And I got to go get some stuff. I'm going to make that work. I can simply say, oh, I'm after I'm done a podcast, I'm going to put my feet up and just relax. No, I got to get to the spot. I know where my destination is. I know I got four o'clock clients. I got six o'clock clients. This is what I'm going to do. If I have to run to the mall, do what I got to do, pay a couple bills, do what it is I got to do, bam, I back home. Then I leave back out and I'm good to go. You know what I mean? No, I think it's the ultimate, like you say, it's priorities, what you deem important, um, obviously planning and scheduling. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably where the general populace and, and some even within sports struggle. But it's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. It's mm-hmm. it's very easy. Um, but I can get this to work as well. But based on what I was watching on the news, people talking about people with mental health and you know people coming in as the youngest seven struggling with anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's not a difficult fix. And I and it popped into my head. It's it's based on communication and being more of a community. You saying this is a problem. The communication factor is not a difficult one. That's probably oh, the easiest one, first and foremost, being able to communicate. We, we're so, I say we, not me and you, but we're so, we're so easy to draw for the excuses. I'm I, on my platform, dude. I, that's what I do. That's what I've been doing for the last three years. And it was funny, James. Somebody asked me, they go, what made you want to start a podcast? And I said, honest to God, truth, back in 2016, I was sitting in my backyard. I have the same computer I'm talking to you with. And I opened up the computer and I was just sitting, I was drinking, I was drinking water or whatever it was at the time. And I'm looking around and I'm just thinking, and something just told me, open up the camera and just record. And I start just free flowing. And I start thinking about, I got into my head and I start talking about, you know, things that people have helped me in my, my time of coming up and doing this. And I said, I'm just going to, I just yelled it out. I go, I'm going to do a podcast. And I know people that watch this, the con- when I, I transferred it, I put it on YouTube, the comments were like, oh, damn, really? Okay, Rory, I see you. Like, where is this coming from? And I thought about it more, and 2016, I released my pod, and now we're 2020. I'm going in the fourth year in October, and I look at the success. And it, when I say, again, success doesn't necessarily mean money. Success means growth. Success means um, building the opportunity, giving people a platform to listen to. And that's what it all comes down to. I look at somebody like yourself. I, I remember it was Twitter, the power of networking, like yourself. You, you're in the UK, I'm in Canada. Some people are like, oh, it cannot be done. I forgot who reached out to who, and we got it done. You came on our platform. And it was a well-received episode by people in my inner circle and all the listeners. They're like, you made it to the UK? How did you do that? I said, no excuses, only adjustments. <laughs> you don't know who's listening to your show. All you have to do when it comes to like podcasting or it comes to anything is just ask. Just do it. Try. As long as you try, game over. Well, I think ultimately it's a learning experience. And I think people need to remember that because 
I, I, I first and foremost, and I'm not, I'm not going to shy away from this. It's my opportunity to be whoever I speak to. Mm-hmm. I get my answers. I get my question. I, I almost said the other way around, but I get my <laughs> questions answered first mm-hmm. and foremost. So be it, be it. Uh, and I've never said this on the show before, but based on if you go way back, maybe six months, even later than that, mm-hmm. it was things I was having to deal with. I, but I orchestrated it in a way that it obviously everybody could take something away. And mm-hmm. it, it's using a situation uh, experience like you were talking about, you and I were talking about off air mm-hmm. to make it relatable. But in fact, it was relatable to me. It was, mm-hmm. it was something I needed to, I don't, I don't like to use the word overcome, but it was something I wasn't think, sitting comfortably with me at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, who, who better than an ass or somebody who, who knows what they're talking about? Yeah. And I can, I've got them in front of me. And, yeah, I, even, I'll tell you and this. I don't have to pay for the privilege. Exactly. I'll tell you this right now. Um, I'll, I'll shed some light on, on, on something. In life, pain, any painful experience you go through, once you turn it around, you turn pain, you turn it around and you put it into yourself and you put it into you internally and you disperse it out there. Trust me, some of the great things come from pain. Some of the, some of the great things come from heartbreak, you know, uh, loss of a loved one and things like that. And, you know, I could speak more of a loss of a loved one and, you know, of something of value. And I mentioned it, my grandfather, of how he was and how he was as a, as a district constable in Jamaica, being a police officer and, and taking people underneath his wing is something that my mother, right? And this is a vulnerable, teachable moment to a lot of your listeners. And I've said this openly on my platform. And I've always said that I've accepted so much peace in my past that helped me get to where I need to get to. And my mother said to me, she goes, in the family, somebody has to pass down something to somebody, right? I got cousins. They're doing whatever they want to do. My mother mother looked at the chair. I remember she, she was sitting in the chair and she looked at me at the dining room table and she goes, your grandfather, my father, or her father, sorry, passed down to you what he enlisted and he wanted to see from other people. And what that did for me, it put me in such of this mindset and in my heart, it made me go, if my grandfather can do this and start his career at 32, I'm in my thirties. I can do the exact same thing. You know what I mean? And it's been quite a while since he's passed. You know what I mean? It's been over what? Five, about five, six years now since he's passed away. And you know what? Every day of every minute of every hour, I know that he's my guardian angel. I know he's somebody that's pushing me through a lot of things that are going on. And you know what? There's going to be some times in life we go through some pain. We got to go through some struggle. But as long as we don't give up and we just say to ourselves, hey, listen, go out there and just turn that pain, put it inside of you and just disperse it however you can and do it on a positive note, your elevation just comes up. The cream, the cream rises to the top, my friend, you know? But do you think, obviously, coming back to the excuses that people like to to endure, do you Mm -hmm. think they struggle with the pain? Because obviously, most people want to run away from hardship, let alone run towards it. Well, here's the thing is, some people, I look at pain, they look at, could be a heartbreak, could be a loss of somebody, and they result and they turn to fall off the wagon. Uh, One of the easiest things people do is they they result to alcohol, they they result to drugs. And, you know for you to do that it 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 i would never make fun of somebody because everybody copes with things differently or they go into complete depression but this is where you have to look at your inner circle and this is also where you have to look at the universe also too because if you're a good person a good wholehearted person the universe will bring you the people that you that are going to come into your life that you need to talk to about anything it could be death it could be a breakup it could be heartbreak itself it could be something it could be you know what you 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 passed your your board exam or your 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 bar exam or something like that and you're devastated or you flunked out of the class the you the what you put out in the universe james always comes back to you and i know you know about that all 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 so well it will always bring people to come into your into your inner circle and be able to help you know what i mean trust me when i tell you the more you do for people it's crazy how it just comes back to you man that's why I, i'll tell you a little fun fact I go out to eat at restaurants, right? 
And I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, tipping. Some people have a problem with tipping, right? And I, I see you smiling. A lot of people have a problem with tipping. I tip a little extra maybe. And you know why? Because I get that this person that's working, they have to, they have to provide for themselves. And they're doing this and they're serving my meal or my drinks or whatever. And I always make sure if I go out, if I go out somewhere and I have maybe two glasses of wine, right? That may range from anywhere to like $20 to $25. My tip that I'm probably leaving altogether is going to be anywhere between $35 to $40. That's just me though. And also people are going to be like, whoa, that's crazy. No, 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 no. Because I am a giving person. I have kindness in my heart. I get this person's got to serve me my drinks or serve me my food. I'm always going to tip above and beyond because I know at the end of the day, it comes back to me in a different way. And I'm not saying, oh, the more good, I'm just doing all this good because I want to see good come back to me. No, it's not that. It's just I can identify and I can respect and I value the true meaning of life. Well, I think I think it's it's obviously for that basis on you know tipping and, and and serving. It's it's not looking to what you can get out from serving people. I think obviously if you're not doing you're you're not doing that, things are going to be rosier. And it's 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 looking to be able to service them in whatever way that may be be volunteering uh, coaching mentoring etc you're not you're doing it for the goodness of your heart you're not looking for anything uh, in return be it you know financial monetary uh, praise um, Mm. kudos obviously from a CV perspective it's not a bad Mm. thing because it's commendable it's commendable but you're doing it to obviously grow in terms mm-hmm. of you as a, as a person. So be, yeah. be, I think on the news today, it was talking about um, there's more women in the UK that give blood than men. Okay. So you're thinking, okay, I've always wanted to do it. Here's the opportunity to, to do it for a good, for a good reason based on um, they were saying uh, there's more iron in, in men's blood than women. That's something I didn't know, but that's, that's a good point to, to, to give, to give mm. blood to other people just on that basis because of, of um, the fortification which men blood have. Mm. That's, that's, you're, you're not doing it for any other reason than to be able to help somebody out, be it, be it through like traumatic experience, transplant, mm. et cetera. Mm. That's, they, they might come round later down the line and commend you for us. Like you didn't 100%. have to, to give me that blood. Obviously mm-hmm. the hospital's going to give it to you based on that person, based on the blood type, but they might come back to you and say, if it wasn't for you, if it was a real bad experience, they might not be here. So, mm-hmm. then, so you mm-hmm. never know in terms of, uh, you know, those, um, I'll call them recommendations or testimonials that come out of nowhere that you don't, you don't expect. You're thinking, okay, I must be doing something right. Cause you're going off, you're going off your own bat or off your own back mm-hmm. to be able to promote something. Or, uh, I had an email today, uh, off a gentleman in the U S who reads my, my, my newsletter. And he asked a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I turned that into content. Bam. So it's like, well, I'll give it some context, be it, and I'll give people the basis because it will work with the audience as well. Yeah. It was based on, do you exercise when you have a cold? Yes or no. And he was saying, would you, would you pass germs on if you had a cold? So I put it in into perspective based on, because it's content I've written in, in, at Christmas time, mm-hmm. um, which is probably more, or still probably problematic with, with people becoming sick but it's based on, and it's something I, even I learned as an athlete from, for our team doctors. If it's above your head, you can train. If it's below, you need to evaluate, is it going to be wise to do that? But exactly. based on, on that, I'm able to say, well, what constitutes a head cold? Is, is mm-hmm. you got the sniffles? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you got blood sinuses? Obviously an athlete's going to train anyway, but, or is it, or have you got the flu or, or stomach bug? Obviously that's, where you, you comprehend, well, in my right mind, should I exercise based on do I have to go to the toilet? Every, I didn't say this in the live, <laughs> but do you have to go to the toilet every five minutes? 
Are you exactly. going to go to the gym? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had the flu, which I had a couple of years, well, but probably when I was at university, mm-hmm. and, and this is a story I don't tell that often. Uh, when my mum said, if I gave you 50 pounds, would you get out of bed? And obviously for a cold, you might do. I said, no chance. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting out of bed. I don't care if it's 50. I don't care if it's a hundred. Mm-hmm. I am not It's, it's a, it's not a, it's not a hassle to move. It just hurts to move. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, I know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sick and, and, and whether or not that was a, that was a bad cold or it was a flu. I don't know, but I was not leaving my student dwellings for I think about a week. So I think it was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do All I wanted to do was sleep and eat and that was it so i think yeah. when you give you gotta get better give people perspective mm-hmm. and it's it's something obviously you have to check in with a doctor at the international level to, when you're not well to kind mm-hmm. of say well this is, this is my symptoms am i okay to train yes or no and obviously ultimately they'll say yes you can but take it easy or exactly. Exactly. no chance you, you you need to think of the bigger picture uh think of be it for arguments like the playoffs, um, the international events, and the bigger competitions to come hand. Mm-hmm. One one training session or one day's training session is not worth it in, in exactly. the long in the long term. Exactly. So, but obviously, I put it from a general populist sense. So he gets his question answered, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it gives me gives me some content to work with. It's like, well, okay, I'll give you some context to to what I meant by it. Exactly. Exactly. So my penultimate question then, obviously we ended up on the tangent there. Yeah, which is fine. It happens, man. <laughs> if, Good content. If if we if you had to speak to any athlete or coach, dead or alive, that you had the opportunity to sit down with, who would that be? It's a good question. You know, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with a guy that's been been my, my favorite basketball player of all time because his mind his mind and I know the content that we could create would be next level. And that'd be Kevin Garnett. Um, Kevin Garnett, dude is I've heard him on, I've heard him on one podcast with Tony Allen. Um, believe it, believe he played, but he played, he played a teammate with Tony Allen. I can't remember if it was in Minnesota or no play with Tony Allen in Boston. And that, that, that 2018 run Kevin Garnett is the last of that breed between Kobe. Um, I'm talking about a dude that comes from such a raw abundance mindset and perspective that he would, I I feel like how I craft my conversations and like how we're doing this here, it's the exact same way because it takes, it takes us like, and and I'm going to boost you here. It takes us to be able to have that articulate behavior and that compassion and show that empathy that people want to engage into our content. We're well-spoken. We're soft-spoken. We can articulate. We master, we're masteries in what it is that we're saying. So with me and Garnett sitting in front of each other, across from each other, I, I know that could easily be three hours of content because there's so much conversation. I want to talk about things he's, he's experienced in the NBA. Like, and I, how I make my conversations and what I try to do is, is when you listen to Mitchell Report Unleash and you've been on there, it's unleashing with the, with the, with the person, with the guest. So I would have questions where I know a lot of these guys that are, that are on TV or the higher-ups are not going to ask them. I'm going to be like, yo, so who was your hardest opponent that you had to, fight, you had to guard? Um, you know, what made you – what do you think of this and that type of person? Because those are the perspectives you – because they're human beings. You know what I mean? We, we ask these conversations amongst our everyday circle. You know, some people are be like, oh, do you like Tom Brady or why don't you like Tom Brady? And people give their answer. You know what I mean? I think the power of how Garnet speaks and the passion he comes from, oh my goodness. It it would be it would be next level content, James. Like really, really. It would be some some pretty pretty good content. You know what I mean? Well that's your challenge then, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know what, you know, and, and here's the thing is this is the power of networking though. The power of networking is knowing how to, you know, ask the right questions. Um I, I overheard I overheard Stephen A. Smith, and I know a, I know a networking friend that had a chance to sit down with him for about three minutes. He was talking about coming into uh, the the area of, of being a sports broadcaster. And here's the thing: what it takes it takes to be reliable, 
and it takes to be humble and it takes a lot to be able to know how to craft yourself and be well orchestrated into the topics that you're coming with. So you always have to be build trust. You got to build trust. And this is something I learned in my days of working at Apple and working at the job that I work at right now. You have to be able to build enough trust between you and your customer, right? Now, the difference is, is building enough trust with you and your platform. If people are well respective of you and they, they see what you're doing, they come from a good heart and you got people that can vouch for you, because I see that happening. I'm pretty sure you see that happening also too. You know, there's people that are coming out to us and be like, hey, like, listen, can you come be a guest on my show? Because I heard from you from X and O and this and that and this and that. And they said, hey, listen, you, you, you're pretty articulate. You want to talk about sports. You want to talk about sports, talk about whatever. It's building that trust. And I think that anything you want to do, and I had it with a guest of mine. I don't, I don't want to give your listeners a perspective here. I said to a handful of people, I'm going to have a particular guest come on my show. I did not know, James, on the magnitude that this gentleman was going to come on my show in. And I put it out there. And I know some people were like, okay, that's a tough, daunting task for that to happen. How is it going to happen? But I used the universe. I put it out in the universe. And guess what? The universe rewarded. I didn't think it was going to be that quick. Now, did I conduct the interview? No, I didn't get a chance to because life is busy. Life can just get busy and get ahead of us. But when you build trust with somebody... And you build trust with the guys that you know that are counting on you, your accountability partners that have time to text you, call you, have conversations. Um, it's a remarkable thing. And this gentleman did me a huge solid favor. He goes, listen, I'll represent you. Let's do this. Did the recording. Emailed me the recording right after. I listened to the podcast. And I'm forever, I'm forever in, 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 in debt with this gentleman because I said to him, I'm like, listen, for you to do that for me is big. I could have done it myself. And you know what came from it? It came from it where me and this gentleman are thinking about, we're going to sit down where I'll be able to create an interview with him and we're going to sit back and be able to talk. You know what I mean? I don't want to drop any names. Just keep that. Cause I like to have a little bit of suspense. We like, okay, so who, who was it? Listen, if you <laughs> just figure it out, y'all figure it out. You know what I mean? It was something that was, it was so polarizing in, in that, in that time in my month of December, because December to November and October with work and stuff like that can be very challenging, but I figured it out. You know what I mean? And, and it was the, the big ultimate reward. You know what I mean? So as long as you stay the course, man, and you just keep doing the right things for, for humans, and you're actually authentic. Trust me, man. Great things come, man. Great things come. And my final question to you then, Rory, is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today, into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Breathtaking. Breathtaking. This is, um, I'll say, and I'll, I'll add this much on to you. James, as a podcaster, and I know you're, you do your podcast also too, it's so humbling that sometimes we're, we're not being the host. And, and, and you came on my show and, you know, I was the host with you and I interviewed you and then it's vice versa. When you can articulate and have conversations with the same people that share the same similar personalized views, it warms my heart. This is how days should be. You know what I mean? Be positive, man. I know we're going to sometimes we can get stuck in that negative vortex. But a a, a wise man once said is, if you keep dwelling on the negative, the negative is going to always overrule what's going on up here. But as long as you stay positive, bro, this is the type of stuff like over here right now, it's 11, it's 11 o'clock in the morning, right? And my day is now going to be so much more excellent and so much more positive. And even though the skies are gloomy outside and it's raining and it's doing all this, I know that a job well done. And you as a podcaster from the UK, keep up the good work, my friend, because I, I may not be able to see all or listen to all your episodes, but and when, I, when they pop up and I take a look, I'm like, that's James right over there. I see him. I see him over there in the UK, you know, because I, I always I always say is that, you know, what uh, us that can be able to really care about humans, it takes a lot. You know what I mean? It takes a very well lot for us to just keep pouring out that energy and just not getting, you know, getting ahead of ourselves or getting in our own head and, and, and thinking like, guess what? You know, we can't do what we want to do. And this is why we have these respective platforms, always articulating give people the the best goods.
Well, it's remembering, like you say, very first, and this is, this is the final note I'll do for for the show, is why can't you? And ref- putting it from a different perspective, just to put the spin on it. Social media is, e- well, it's probably the e- easiest form of communication. Yeah. Using it in a positive way. So but for podcasts, using re- it in a negative way, man. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> mm. But I think from that one, just networking, Twitter mm-hmm. takes yeah. seconds. Instagram is probably a little bit more difficult, but it can be done. Facebook, obviously, it's having um, relatable people that within within our circle. It's not mm-hmm. difficult. So, it, based on based on if anybody wanted to ever do a show, you just reach out. If you got to know one other person and yeah. you hit it off, it's, yeah. it's like a chain reaction. It's like, well, yeah. I've spoken to such so and so. And I know another podcast, uh, I think you hit it off. Bang, there's a conversation. Exactly, there you go. exactly. And I'll leave you guys to it and, exactly. <laughs> and I'll go about my day. <laughs> exactly. And you know what, man? It's just, it, listen, if, if you're a podcaster, an entrepreneur, or a creative mindset, like there's so many things for, that you can go out there and do to find content. You just said it. You took a newsletter and you made content. You, you do the podcast with me. This is content. There's, and we talk off air. There's ways to, to duplicate and make your content to share it out to the world. And as long as you stay consistent and authentic, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with this. As long as you stay consistent and authentic, trust me, all great things happen to people that are consistent, authentic, and keep preaching the power of positivity, my friend. So once again, Rory, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Anytime, my friend, anytime. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friend and do let Roy and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at RE3684 and at JamesOroberts11, and that's the number 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And additionally, if you had any questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out Roy's podcast, The Mitchell Report Unleashed. And as always, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing The Mindset Athlete. So make sure to check those links out. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.